Chapter Two of Brewing by A. Chaston Chapman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Two, Materials Used in Brewing. The two essential chemical processes involved in the manufacture of beer are first the conversion of starch by means of diastases into certain soluble substances, one of which is a fermentable sugar, and secondly the decomposition of this sugar by means of the yeast organism into alcohol and carbon dioxide gas. It is clear from this that the main raw material must be one containing starch, and that it should, if possible, contain the necessary converting agent, diastases. Both these conditions are satisfied in the case of certain germinating seeds, and although many have at various times been tried, long experience has showed that germinated barley possesses to the fullest degree the various properties necessary for the brewing of beer. Among other cereals which are occasionally employed are maize, rice, oats, and wheat, but these are always used, when used at all, in conjunction with a large proportion of germinated barley, or, to give it its technical name, malt. Further reference will be made to these cereals later, and for the present I will confine myself to the consideration of barley malt, which is the brewer's chief raw material. Although it is not within the scope of this book to deal at any length with the process of converting barley into malt, some reference to the subject is necessary to ensure a proper understanding of the mashing process, which is one of the most important parts of the whole brewing procedure. The process of malting may be said briefly to consist in artificially inducing the germination of the grain, and when sufficient growth has taken place, in stopping it by the application of heat. Simple as this bare statement may appear, the chemical and physiological changes occurring during the conversion of barley into malt are highly complex and notwithstanding the vast amount of study devoted to their elucidation, are even now very far from being fully understood. Thanks, however, to the labors of Brown and Morris, and others, the general character of these changes is tolerably clear. If a few corns of barley are bitten between the teeth, they will be found to be very hard, whilst malt corns, tested similarly, will be found to be mealy and friable, and to break down readily. Again, if a handful of barley is ground up and treated with a little warm water, no apparent change will occur, and even at the end of some hours, the addition of a little iodine solution will give the blue color characteristic of starch. If, on the other hand, some ground malt be treated in the same way, it will soon be evident that some chemical change is taking place, for the mixture, if fairly thick to commence with, will rapidly become more liquid, and the solution obtained after straining off the solid matter will be found to have a pleasant sweet flavor, and on adding a little iodine solution, there will be no blue coloration, showing that the starch has disappeared. It is clear, then, that some very marked changes have attended the transformation of the barley into malt, and these are of the utmost importance to the brewer. The above simple experiment shows that the malt differs from the barley from which it was made, chiefly in containing an active substance which is capable, under appropriate conditions, of converting the starch of the grain into soluble, sweet-tasting products, and one object of the malting process is to produce these substances. But there is another and more important difference between the two. As has been pointed out above, the barley is hard and vitreous, whilst the resulting malt is soft and friable, and a second object of the malting process is to bring about this change in the grain. A third object is to give the malt the necessary flavor, which is accomplished by heating it to the requisite temperature on a specially constructed kiln. 
we will now consider briefly the meaning of the above-mentioned changes and how they are brought about by the malster a grain of barley consists essentially of two parts the main starchy portion known as the endosperm and a smaller part at one end of the corn known as the embryo during the natural germination of the corn in the earth the embryo which as the name implies is the rudimentary plant commences to develop and the starch of the endosperm is the provision made by nature for the nutrition of the growing plant until such time as the first green leaves are formed and the rootlets have sufficiently developed to permit of their obtaining food from the soil it is this process which the maltster imitates and turns to his own ends in the earth the vital changes are initiated or developed by the absorption of moisture and the first part of the malting process consists in soaking the grain in water until it has absorbed sufficient to start the growth it is then spread on floors and the germination allowed to proceed until the plumuli has proceeded about three-quarters of the entire length of the corn it is during this period that the important change mentioned above takes place in the barley corn the reserve materials are not directly available for the nutrition of the growing germ since both the starch and the greater part of the nitrogenous substances proteins are insoluble and consequently not diffusible through the cellular structures to the germ where they are required in the barley itself certain active nitrogen containing substances occur known as enzymes and others are developed during germination these enzymes are the natural agents necessary for the conversion of the insoluble reserve food material into soluble diffusible and assimilable substances and we shall see a little later how necessary they are to the brewer in his operations between the embryo and the starchy endosperm there is a cellular body known as the scutellum the function of which is to secrete the necessary enzymes and which becomes active in this sense as soon as germination has commenced in addition to this the alurona layer is also active in the secretion of these enzymes the starch of the grain is not in a free condition but exists in the form of granules packed in innumerable vegetable cells and the walls of these cells have to be attacked before the contained starch is capable of being acted upon by the enzyme diastases this is effected by means of a second enzyme known as cytase which attacks the cellulose walls either dissolving them or softening and rendering them more permeable to the diastases which is then able to convert the starch into the soluble matters needed for the nutrition of the growing germ this solvent or disintegrating action its precise extent is still a matter of some uncertainty of the cytase on the cellular structures of the endosperm explains the conversion of the hard and vitreous barley into the tender and friable malt at the same time diastasis is developed in considerable quantity and a portion of the starch is used up by the young plant it is of course to the interest of the malster to reduce this consumption of starch to a minimum as it is later on required by the brewer and therefore as soon as the action on the cell walls or modification as it is technically termed is sufficiently complete which is usually the case when the plumuli has grown nearly the length of the corn further action is stopped by drying the grain first on the malting floor itself and then on a kiln either by direct combustion products of coal or coke or as on the continent by means of hot air in addition to the solvent action of cytase on the cell walls of the endosperm and the development of diastase so necessary for the subsequent conversion of the starch in the brewery there are other changes occurring 
one of which is of a considerable practical importance. This is the conversion of a proportion of the insoluble proteins of the grain into soluble, diffusible, and chemically simpler substances, such as petroses, peptones, and amino acids. These, which are intended by nature for the needs of the growing plant, are of great importance to the brewer, as we shall see later, particularly in connection with the nutrition of the yeast during the process of fermentation. This protein conversion, or proteolysis, is affected by another enzyme, or possibly by more than one, the action partly resembling that of trypsin and partly that of pepsin, or peptase, the two enzymes present in the pancreas and stomach of animals, and which are responsible for the breaking down of the complex insoluble proteins during the process of animal digestion. Whilst only about 20% of the total nitrogen of barley is soluble, more than 40% of the nitrogen of the resulting malt can dissolve in water, the increase being chiefly due to the production of amides and amino bodies, such as asparagine. The changes taking place in the various nitrogenous bodies are illustrated by the following analysis of Bungener and Fries. Total nitrogen. Barley, 1.690%. Malt, 1.580%. Nitrogen as oblumen. Barley, 0.161%. Malt, 0.230%. Nitrogen as peptone. Barley, 0.040%. Malt, 0.060%. Nitrogen as amides. Barley, 0.206%, malt, 0.534%. Total soluble nitrogen, barley, 0.355%, malt, 0.642%. The germinated grain, having been partially dried on the growing floor, is transferred to the kiln where growth is effectually arrested and where it acquires a pleasant, biscuity flavor. Frequent use has also been made of the word enzyme, and perhaps it may be well to define a little more clearly what is meant, particularly having regard to the all-important part which these substances play in the processes of malting and brewing. The enzymes constitute a class of bodies which are of universal occurrence in all living organisms, whether animal or vegetable, and which are of supreme importance to the life and well-being of these organisms. Briefly, their function may be said to consist in rendering soluble and available for nutrition the various insoluble reserve materials on which the life of the organism depends. Thus, we have starch-converting enzymes, or diastases, cellulose-converting enzymes, or cystases, sugar-converting enzymes, such as invertase and maltase, protein-converting enzymes, or proteolis, fat-converting enzymes, or lipases, and finally, the enzyme which splits up sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide gas, fermentation, or zymase. The enzymes are all nitrogen-containing substances of albuminoid character, and it is one of their most noteworthy characteristics that but very small quantities are needed for the conversion of relatively enormous quantities of the various substances on which they exert their specific actions. Technologically, this point is one of the highest importance, although the precise manner in which they exert their activity is not understood. They are soluble in water and resemble certain of the proteins such as egg, albumin, in being coagulated by heat. With this coagulation, their chemical activity disappears, and this, as we shall see, is also a matter of the highest technological moment. The enzymes are not all equally sensitive to the destructive effect of heat, 
but all are destroyed by the presence of water at temperatures short of that of boiling water and it may be said roughly that a temperature of about eighty degrees to ninety degrees celsius usually marks the limit of their activity on the other hand they will withstand a temperature of one hundred and twenty degrees celsius or even more when completely dry they are capable of acting at fairly low temperatures but for every enzyme there is a temperature or rather a limited range of temperature within which it is most active thus the distasy of malt which converts starch into soluble sugar and other products functions most actively at about fifty degrees to fifty five degrees celsius and the enzyme invertase which converts cane sugar into invert sugar is most active at about fifty five degrees celsius the enzymes are also exceedingly sensitive to the presence of very small quantities of many chemical substances and whilst the majority act most readily in faintly acidic solutions a few e g trypsin exert their specific activities best in faintly alkaline media we have seen that during the conversion of the barley into malt the more important changes which occur are a the development of the enzymes diastases necessary for the subsequent conversion of the insoluble starch into soluble and partially fermentable products b the modification of the cellular structures of the endosperm by means of the enzyme cytase c the conversion of insoluble proteins into simpler and soluble nitrogenous products and d the production by kilning of a pleasant biscuity flavor instead of the hard vitreous barley we have now a mealy friable material containing a large proportion of the original starch some is lost during malting by conversion into carbon dioxide and water as the result of the vital respiratory processes and at the same time the enzymes necessary for effecting the important transformation of that starch which occurs during the process of mashing and which will be dealt with in a subsequent chapter it has already been pointed out that it is one of the characteristics of the enzymes as a class that they are able to bring about an amount of chemical change which is enormously great in relation to the actual weight of the active agent concerned and during the germination process a very much larger amount of distasy is formed in the growing grain than is needed for the brewer's purpose one object of the kilning process is therefore to destroy or to restrict the activity of a great deal of this distasy leaving just as much in the finished malt as may be necessary for the purpose for which it is to be employed this depends to a great extent on the class of beer for which the malt is to be used a malt containing more active distasy and therefore kilned at comparatively low temperatures being required for pale ales than for mild ales or black beers even after the severe restriction of diastasy which occurs in the kiln barley malt contains much more diastasy than is necessary for the conversion of its own starch and in consequence other starch containing materials may be used in conjunction with malt should their employment for one reason or another be deemed desirable such materials are maize rice oats and on rare occasions other cereals the maize and rice are usually submitted to a preparatory purifying and cooking process before being supplied to the brewer and in the form of flaked maize and flaked rice represent very pure and concentrated brewing materials containing as they do from seventy five per cent to more than eighty per cent of starch the products obtained by the action of diastasy on the starch of these materials are the same as those resulting from the conversion of the starch of barley malt itself but they yield to the warts much smaller proportions of soluble nitrogenous substances and it is to this fact that their utility as malt adjuncts is largely due 
since alcohol is one of the most significant and important constituents of beer it is clear that certain sugar products which are capable of yielding that substance on fermentation might be used in place of a certain proportion of the malt it will be seen later that during the mashing process the starch of the malt is converted partly into fermentable sugar maltose and that this is split up during the process of fermentation into alcohol and carbon dioxide gas since other sugars such as dextrose and levulose undergo the same decomposition when submitted to the action of yeast there is clearly no reason why a proportion of these sugars should not be employed by the brewer assuming of course that in the form in which they are used they are perfectly wholesome and that they are found to yield good results in respect of the flavor and character of the finished beer cane sugar itself is not directly fermentable but is first converted by the enzyme invertase contained in the yeast cell into invert sugar which then undergoes decomposition into alcohol and carbon dioxide cane sugar may therefore be directly employed as a brewing material but inasmuch as its use is thought by many brewers to conduce to yeast weakness it is more usual to employ the invert sugar made from it on the manufacturing scale the invert sugar is prepared by heating a solution of cane sugar with a small amount of a mineral acid until the desired change is complete the acid is then neutralized and the solution after more or less decolorization is evaporated in a vacuum pan to the consistency of a syrup in this process the cane sugar undergoes hydrolysis and is converted into a mixture of dextrose and luvulose in nearly equal proportions which is known as invert sugar the change may be represented by the following equation cane sugar c12 h22o11 plus water h2o equals a combination of dextrose c6h12o6 plus levulose c6h12o6 together invert sugar as used by the brewer invert sugar is a product closely resembling golden syrup in appearance and in flavor but when allowed to stand for some time it sets to a soft solid mass owing to the crystallization of the dextrose the levulose which crystallizes only with great difficulty remaining in a syrupy condition the commercial syrups usually contain about seventy five percent of invert sugar the balance consisting of water with small quantities of cane sugar and a little mineral water in its composition therefore it is very similar to honey the only other sugar product which is at all largely used in brewing is glucose this is prepared by heating the starch obtained from various sources maize sago potato rice with dilute mineral acid until the required amount of conversion has taken place in this process the starch is converted first into maltose and dextrin and finally if the action be allowed to continue for a sufficient time entirely into dextrose the chemistry of this change is not in point of fact quite so simple as might appear from the above statement small quantities of other and unfermentable carbohydrates being formed at the same time footnote the term carbohydrate is a generic term applied to a group of compounds some of which are very widely distributed in nature and which include such important substances as cane sugar milk sugar starch and cellulose the more important members of the group contain either six or multiple of six carbon atoms in the molecule and in all cases the hydrogen and oxygen atoms are present in the relative proportions in which they unite to form water the expression carbohydrate was obviously designed to call attention to the fact that the composition of these substances may be represented by the general formula cx paren h2o paren y and whilst the word is certainly not free from objection 
it has at least the sanction of long and general usage and is after all a convenient one by which to designate a group of important compounds closely related to one another and having many properties in common End of footnote. the action is usually allowed to proceed until the whole of the dextrin has disappeared and the resulting product therefore consists substantially of a mixture of the two sugars dextrose and maltose of course in the process of manufacture the acid used is neutralized and the solution decolorized as in the case of invert sugar thus prepared glucose or starch sugar forms a white or yellowish solid mass possessed of far less sweetness than invert sugar and containing about sixty five to seventy percent of fermentable sugars by restricting the action of the acid in the manufacture of glucose a product may be obtained containing a considerable proportion of dextrin and smaller quantities of dextrose and maltose this product which occurs in commerce in the form of a thick colorless syrup is occasionally used in brewing but finds its chief employment in the manufacture of confectionery in the brewing of stouts and porters certain proportions of highly colored malts and of caramel are employed the malts are manufactured either by kilning the germinated barley at a high temperature over a fire of burning wood brown malt or by roasting barley or ordinary malt in a cylinder such as coffee is roasted in black malt these materials communicate to the beers in which they are used not only a considerable amount of color but also a pleasant and characteristically empyreumatic flavor in place of a proportion of these colored malts caramel prepared by the action of heat on glucose or cane sugar is often used with the important exception of water hops and yeast which will be dealt with more conveniently in subsequent chapters the above may be said to constitute the materials from which beer is brewed end of chapter two